like think about truly what being a punk is like you're rebelling you know really hard i get that but think about what being a punk is and that's pushing back that's challenging norms that's making that leads to change and that's that's obviously what we need to do and what better place to try and challenge and try and make change than the military than the united states military kind of bummed out that ricky couldn't join us but i know because i kind of wanted to see because i feel like you and him are more i don't know like like this is more like your topic but like for me dude like to my biggest thing like when i think about punk in the military dude i think like when i think of punk dude i think it's like i think of deviant behavior right like you're not you're not necessarily doing illegal stuff dude but you're challenging society's norms right and i kind of feel like just going against the grain like yeah, like you cannot like unless your parents are like huge anti-war people, like that would be the only way you'd be punk if you join. You know what I mean? like, yeah, yeah. Like, well, but I, I, I feel like you can become it though. Yeah, I guess. In like one thing I was going to talk about is I think that it can come in different contexts too. So like, punk is non-conformity, and to be in the military is to conform. Yeah. But like, what if you go into the military? I remember, um, you know, the two con the, the way that they kind of contradict each other is that one is all about individuality, which is punk. And then the other one is about being part of a bigger whole. And punk yeah. punk expresses itself through unconventional like clothing styles and deviant behavior, like you're saying, or haircuts. And that's yeah. all deviant. You know, that's all like outside the norm, while the the mil- the military requires that everyone wear the same uniform and maintain the same standards and in, in appearance. Like what I was saying about it being contextual to your environment and like possibly being punk in the military is, I mean, you can go against the grain to make changes of policies. And I know that like you, I mean, you were in long enough, you probably saw like how inefficient things were and how much bureaucracy there was and to be punk in the military is to kind of challenge those sort of redundancies and those, those archaic policies, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't like, I agree with that, man. Like I, I think of you when the, when the black lives matter, when after George Floyd, uh, after the George Floyd incident and there was all of the protesting and like, you were almost called out to go to one of these protests. And I remember you and I talking and like, I was thinking in that, like, like what is more like, like kind of what you're saying, what is more punk than if you would have just taken a knee with the protesters yeah, right. and kind of, kind of went against the grain dude. And I, and I love that because like you didn't go in like joining the military, you don't do it for punk reasons. Right. But like once you get in there and as your views change, like, can you become that person and can you, and is there hope that somebody can join the military or be in those ranks and, you know, be that type of punk person that challenges the norm? There's clearly, you know, uh, you know, those type of people in positions of power now, you know, when, when they were trying to make it illegal for, or trying to ban homosexuality and trying to do all this stuff again under Trump, you know, a lot of those people in the in the Pentagon stepped up and said like, no, that's not right. Like this is where we're going. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And I think like in the context of that, that's pretty punk, you know? And so 
what you're talking about with the George Floyd murder last summer and then all the protests that went along with that. There were riots all over the country and my leadership, like you were saying, contacted us and and told us to prepare to respond to the riots because Trump basically said that he was going to he was going to utilize the National Guard. And basically, like the way that he put it is he was going to send us out to bust skulls. So I didn't feel good about the reasons that we would be out there. I like you're saying, I was prepared to tell my boss that I was going to refuse and then just suffer the consequences of that. And and at that time, like I didn't. I felt like the only way that I could rationalize myself into doing it to not feel bad about it was just simply to be there as peacekeepers, to not be on one side or the other, but just to be there to maintain order and peace and make sure that nobody was was co- causing undue harm to anybody else. But I felt like we were there the way that Trump said that we were going to be present. I think he painted a big fucking target on our backs because... He, like I said, he basically just said that we were going to be out there busting skulls if anybody acted out of line. Absolutely. I mean, it's not like you, like he's the mouthpiece for you guys. So like what he goes off and pops off about now, all of a sudden, of course, there's going to be fear and there's going to be hostility towards you because you are, they don't get to see Trump, right? They get to see you right, like face to face. And so all of that aggression, like there, it was just a, an absolutely atrocious situation like atrocious time in america like all of it but like at the beginning of the year and this is i really have to like ask myself what the difference between these these two situations are and maybe you can help me out with it but at the beginning of the year with the capital riots we were asked if we wanted to volunteer to be present at the u.s capitol or the state capitol uh during the inauguration and my conscience felt a lot better about doing something like that than responding to Black Lives Matter protesters. And I actually regret a little bit not volunteering for that to actually be in a position where I could physically confront these completely radical, out of, out of control Trump Trumpers and, and trying to disrupt democracy. And I don't know what the difference was. I mean, honestly, like it's it's both serving in a peacekeeping capacity but i didn't feel right about the black lives matter uh, volunteer if i did that but i did feel right about volunteering uh during the inauguration i mean i guess the way that i would distinguish it is one group of people are riding in response to an injustice with george floyd in the latter group the trumpers are involved in their insurgents basically radicals who absolutely sought to threaten democracy and the democratic process within our republic so absolutely i don't know i mean do you do you think that i was like out of line for not wanting to respond to one but enthusiastic about the other i I, that's i think that any rational person that can think critically can look at those two situations and really understand the context behind the Black Lives Matter protests. I mean, we're we're in the 21st century, and we're still having issues uh, with racism in this country, and that and that's real. It's documented. The facts are out there. Like I'm not, uh, like I'm not. That to me isn't even up for debate. The the history of institutional racism in this country, and so you see a group of people finally saying this is enough. The cops are getting away with this. They're getting away with this. And there's so many cases that you can go back and document. 
that that you finally say like, hey, this is getting kind of out of hand. And of course, you're going to have people take it too far and you're going to have people uh, looting and rioting. And, and, and you have to understand the anger that goes into that. And, and I'm more sympathetic to that, honestly, than I am sympathetic to a group of people that are angry because <clears throat> uh, they have these made up facts. Uh, unfortunately, I, I guess I would have felt more uh, sympathy towards the the Trump cause if if I had heard any facts about rampant voter fraud or mm-hmm. anything like that if I mean had they come up with actual evidence to support it then no, yes, it I feel like a logical person uh, can could could somehow say I don't think you're going about it right the right way but I agree with you I'm sympathetic towards your cause unfortunately they weren't working with anything based in reality yeah. and I think that's the big difference there so what were Let's talk about our backgrounds a little bit and what the motivations were for us joining the military. Because you enlisted, what, in 2003? 2004. 2004, and I enlisted in 2005. So what was your motivation? Oh, yeah. What inspired you? So at the, at the time, I was, I was painting houses. I had gone to a semester of college and dropped out, came home, and I was uh, painting houses for a living. And I was honestly like just... Uh, Like I was thinking to myself, like, am I just going to paint houses for the rest of my life? And and at the time, I really wanted to be a police officer, which was, uh, I I think, kind of indicative of that. Like, I want to serve and help and be this hero type of role. But like, I had this admiration for my country. And I felt like, you know, my my dad and my grandpa and my family had instilled into me this respect for my country and this love for my country. And they had gone and served. And so I had made the decision. I just went and did it. Like at the time I was 19 and I just signed up uh, for the Marine Corps. And I was like, let's go uh, like hard charging. Um, and so that was very much my like it was very patriotic for me. It was very like this is what like this is this is what men do. Like you stand up for your country, you, yeah, this raw, raw, you know, uh, American, like your civic duty. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Like, like your civic duty. And, and then you get to go be a hero. Like just the, uh, it's all the testosterone filled Rambo, uh, Terminator movies. I mean, anything you can think of just all wrapped up into that. And, and, you know, I'm 19 years old, so I'm just full of testosterone and ready to go. And, and, and I honestly, I feel like it, it did a great deal for my life. So I, I can't say, you know, the, the military instilled discipline in me and, and these other important attributes that, that come with that. Um, but that was that was my whole drive to join the military was was just that love of country and that that feeling that I needed to serve. And then the, the feeling, too, I remember I remember after the day after I went and signed up, I was talking to my girlfriend's dad and uh, he like looks at me and he's just like. Like you, you know what's going on right now, right? I was like, yeah, you know, because we're in Iraq at the time. It's 04. Like, I think uh, 03 was the uh, the kickoff. So we're like uh, second year in Iraq, and I'm like, I know. And he's like, you know, you're probably gonna go there, right? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, he's like, well, why does it have to be you? And I remember thinking, like, it's it's got to be somebody, right? Like, somebody has to say that it was my kid that had to go. And I just like. Like it, it just all felt part of like my duty in this, this raw, raw, like patriotic. What did you have many other options besides the military? I mean, you mentioned that you were painting houses and that's all that you saw yourself doing for the foreseeable future. But like, did, did your high school education offer you many opportunities as far as like college or anything else? I, I, I had gone off to a semester of college and I had just like, like I had like failed out, man. Like there was a whole like 
you know, that's a whole backstory with my, my grandpa had passed away. So I went to live with my grandma and try junior college out in Gordon city, Kansas. And I like failed at it. And so I moved back. Like I got kicked out of my house, uh, when I was like 18. And so by this time, like I'm 19, I live on my own, like I'm painting houses full time, dude. Like, so I have a car payment, uh, rent, like cell phone. And at 19, dude, it's like overwhelming doing all this stuff. And it's just like, the only way that I can get ahead in life is to either like pour myself more into this job or find another Avenue. And like, like at the time, like college isn't really an option for me, but like I have this, this huge opportunity in the military. So so yeah, and I, obviously I didn't join the Marine Corps. I'm I'm with the Air National Guard, which I feel is like the way. And we've had this conversation before, like way on the other end of the spectrum. Once a Marine, Absolutely. always a Marine, and it's it is. And I'll I'll touch upon that real quick, man. It 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 is like they say, like oh, they brainwash Marines, dude. Like absolutely they do. Like absolutely they break down your mental functions and how you function and they they rewire you a different way man like and it's and it you can't get away from it dude like like even as i sit here and i kind of rebel against this idea of like 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 all of this patriotic crap dude like anytime i see another jarhead dude i'm just like oorah marine like it's just instilled in you dude and it is it's just like crazy yeah yeah so in my my circumstance i joined two years after high school and i fucked around in high school i didn't take it seriously and i didn't I was just of the mindset back then that I just didn't see what the point was. I didn't care. And I was just trying to get through it and get done and move on with my life. Following that, I, because of, of my behavior in high school and the, that I didn't have much foresight into thinking about what my future was going to be. I was just, I determined that I was going to be a guitar player, just a professional musician. And it was all going to work out. I didn't, I don't know how I thought it was all going to work out, but I thought everything was just going to fall into place. And I was going to, I had this plan that I was going to, going to hop over to London and just, you know, live off of the bare minimum and be a musician. And I was going to make it work and get discovered. And, and that was my, my plan for the future. And that was it. And that it had been probably since middle school. I think that that's great. And in a lot of ways, I think that it's good to have sort of those passions that you, that drive you, but you also, you have to understand that it's, it's probably more than likely not going to lead to a profession and you're just going to end up resenting it. So after a couple of years of just working like service jobs, um, and you know, just low skilled labor type like things I worked, you know, I was a waiter and I worked at a coffee shop and, um, I was a cashier at Sam's club and I, I just was noticing how fewer and fewer options I had. So at that time, like I didn't like the idea of being active duty because I didn't like the feeling of not having the freedom to be able to go wherever you want. Like you're basically going, you're going to be deployed and go permanent duration of time where, wherever you're going to be told to go. And I didn't like that idea because it interfered still with my ideas and my aspirations to be a musician. And I thought that, you know, if, if I was going to be traveling around for the military, that it wouldn't have allowed me to establish myself as a musician, which never even happened anyway. But the National Guard was a good option for me. And a, a friend of mine uh, would, talked me into the Air National Guard. It, it was it was a good fit because, again, it offered me pretty much all the benefits that active duty did, but with the freedom of being able to live where I want to live. And also I could choose my job. Most of the time in the military, you just get placed you have like a dream sheet and they just kind of place you. But in with the National Guard, you you can be more selective about about the job you want to go into. So, yeah, I mean, that was basically it for me. Like I just 
um, I felt like I didn't have any other options really. And I needed to start taking my future seriously and think about what I was going to do. You know, <laughs> now that I saw that, you know, reality was kind of hitting me harder and harder all the time. So, yeah, I mean, that was basically it. Like I just, I needed something stable and I needed that discipline was good too. And I don't know, was that, did you, did you find use in that? Did I find use in what? What? Like, did you, did you need the discipline that they dished out to you? Um, I, I did find use in that. And, and like, I guess just to like kind of segue, like, so like on the other side here with the Marine Corps, like the Marine Corps is a, it's a combat branch, right? It's like, if you join the Marine Corps, like you're either like a grunt or combat support, like, you know what I mean? Like you have a job in there somewhere that is, has something to do with combat. Mm -hmm. And so it's a different, like, it's a different mindset. And the, the discipline is like, it was huge for me. I feel like, um, I feel like the discipline part of it is what people want when they, when you hear like people say like, I think the military should be mandatory for everyone, which is like, that's kind of scary to think that people want that to happen. Right. But, uh, yeah, but secondly, they don't want socialism. Like, they just want that. I think it's that discipline that the military gives you. It teaches you right. like you can, you know, it really de- like, I feel, I feel like you go through Marine Corps boot camp and you do like so much stuff in one day that like, after you get out of boot camp, you realize like, how much of your day you can actually waste like at a job. I mean, I, I'm like almost every single job I've had as an adult. I'm just like, like, this is really not that hard. Like if I applied myself as hard as I had to, when I was in the Marine Corps, like, like I would just be exhausted, but like nothing really challenges you like that. So I don't know that, that discipline aspect was, was huge for me. But again, like you're taking a bunch of, people and if you went enlisted in the marine corps like people don't have degrees when they enlist in the marine corps now that's not to say that i know that they're you know i've been in the you know met people that were in the marine corps that like had jobs as lawyers and doctors and stuff like that and joined the marine corps because they wanted to go fight in the middle east after 9-11 like that happened a lot Uh, what i am saying is that the vast majority of enlisted marines don't have degrees uh, at the time, they were allowing GEDs uh, as well as high school diplomas. I had my high school diploma. I should go back and touch on that. Uh, and obviously, I went to college, and it just wasn't for me at that time in my life. Um, you know, but when you hear about, like, uh, the locker room talk, like, when Trump talked about locker room talk, like, that's, like, in the Marine Corps. Like, it's all a bunch of guys. Like, that's the way I remember it, and that's, like – it was just completely inappropriate, but we like bonded in such a close way because you're in constant crappy situations that you just become really close with those guys. And it's those bonds really that people look back fondly on when they remember their time in the military. It's never like, you know, like all this other stuff to me, like, you know, having gone through combat and been with these guys, like it's looking back on those bonds. Um, But I think a lot is to be said about, the class of people that end up on the front lines in the military, because it's not the upper class people, you know? And and I mean, I think that's something you kind of touched on a little bit, but it's not, it's guys with not a lot of options left. You know what I mean? Like guys that don't really weren't going to go to college or never really had that opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I definitely don't want to like, I love and respect every single dude I was in with and by no means are any of us stupid. Um, you know what I mean? But uh, like none of us came from upper class. None of us were like bound for Yale or Harvard. None of us had those options on the table. You know what I mean? Like, like not even none of us had like options to have our college paid for anywhere. You know what I mean? It was, one of those. I mean, I will say there are some guys that join because their dad joined or they want to make a career out of it. But, but again, typically it's not, that's not who is, who they're getting to uh, enlist. And that's, that's just the way it is. It's like the, I always think back to uh, the system of a downverse when they say, why don't presidents fight the war? Why do they always send the poor? A while ago, about a year and a half ago, so my one of my jobs in the military is I am a public affairs specialist within the Air National Guard. So I re- basically I'm a I communicate to the public what it, the events are that are happening within the Colorado Air National Guard. It's essentially in a nutshell is like explaining to the public and showing to the public how their tax dollars are being spent. And the good that we're doing within the community and the, the outreach that we have. And then it's also communicating to the media and doing media relations and writing press releases and coordinating with the media, that sort of thing. So that's that's a lot of what I do. I took a photo at an event a couple years ago where it was this homecoming of World War II veterans that had every year they get flown to Washington, D.C., and do a big tour of Washington, D.C., and then they, they get flown back to their home state, and they have a volunteer with them that kind of takes them the, takes them around and, and whatnot. So I went to a homecoming for these these veterans, and it was it was kind of just, we were there to show, show our support for them, help them carry their bags, that sort of thing. And I took a, a photo of a couple people from my unit greeting a an older gentleman that was in a wheelchair and and you know it was a really nice photo and so i published it and later on for veterans day the national guard not just the colorado national guard not just the air national guard the national guard used that photo for their social media to promote veterans day and so that was really cool like that was kind of a big deal to me that a photo that i took was was used nationally like that too to celebrate veterans day. And, um, so I, I shared it on my, on my Facebook timeline and somebody said something along the lines of like, wow, somebody who, who like espouses the punk ethos. It's kind of weird that you are part of, uh, such a, such a huge establishment like the military or something like that. Like just something along those lines that basically was calling me out as being a fraud or being fake because I'm in the military, but I also, have like all these punk ideals and that sort of thing. So it, it ever since then it made me, you know, kind of think about like, can I can you simultaneously be both or can you practice, you know, the the sort of punk philosophy while also having a career in the military or being even supportive of the military. And so yeah, um I don't know if it's just a little bit of clearing my own conscience or just kind of hashing that out just because I think it's an interesting topic. I, so <clears throat> what I was just thinking when you were, when you were talking about that is, uh, you know, you, thankfully there's that punk ethos like implanted 
within several different people at different different levels and different places within society because I, I feel like it's that that punk mentality that continues to push the envelope on um, all kinds of issues um, in the LGBTQ community, um, the minority community. I mean, across the board, the female community, it's that punk mentality that pushes those things. And so just because make changes. you're in this organization that isn't, uh, it definitely wouldn't be considered punk. Uh, it doesn't mean that you cannot still be who you are within that organization right. and do whatever whatever capacity you have to make change within that. I mean, that's all. Look, Ruth, you know, Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg, Bader Ginsburg yeah. dude, like she was a punk. You yeah, know what I mean? well, like, she's part of the government, a- too. Yeah, AOC is a punk to me, dude, because they're pushing these radical ideas that aren't really radical. They're you know, they're to make better change to our world, but society hates change. And it's these, that punk mentality and these pioneers that, that continue to push the envelope is why we see so much change. I mean, we can go back and touch on the topic we did about, you know, the white men being marginalized and talk about my father. Like, like it's that punk mentality that's made it to where he doesn't just pop off and say racist or sexist things in public anymore, right? Because somebody at some level finally stepped up with that punk mentality, regardless of what they were doing and said, Hey, this is unacceptable. Like let's change the culture. Let's change what makes this okay. Like the me too movement, everything like, yes, let's continue pushing that agenda until we make sure that we are being inclusive of everyone. Yeah. You know, and that's why I kind of felt like this, would be interesting to talk about, especially with you. So like that was one of the reasons why Chris, I, I asked about what your background was because that was obviously years ago when we joined the military, but I'm still in the military. You know, you have a lot of roots in the military. Do you think if you had the opportunity now, would you, would you be in the military? If you could, would you remain in the Marine Corps? Um, I, I wouldn't, um, I don't know how I would, how I would do now. I, you know, I lost my leg in Iraq. And so I was given the opportunity to actually stay in the Marine Corps after I lost my leg. Uh, and I asked them if I could go back to my unit and be with my guys. And they said that that wasn't going to be possible. And so I just like, I got out because to me, it goes back to those bonds. Like that was the most important thing to me was, uh, was that, but I will tell you that, um, like I get this question a lot. Um, it's like, are you going to encourage your kids to go into the military? And my answer is no, dude, every single time. Like, like, again, I appreciated the discipline part and, and all of that, but like the camaraderie, uh, I, I, I don't, I personally don't want my kids being, you know, like maybe being put in harm's way, first of all. And then secondly, like just indoctrinated, like, yeah. you know, like you have to be in order to, and you can call it indoctrination, but like, there's a very real reason they do it because in combat, it like when you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to be doing, you're doing it because your body is disciplined, your mind is disciplined and it's all, you know, it's for a reason. Like, should we even be fighting in the first place is a real good question to start at. Yeah. But they don't want people asking questions though. You know, Absolutely. they just, they just want, they want people that are going to follow orders. And, and I think that that's why you, I would receive so much criticism about being in the military while also having these values and, and espousing the punk philosophy, just because to be in the military is just like you're saying, like 
you don't ask questions, you do what you're told and you, you operate as a, as a one piece of a whole. And so Absolutely. it's, it's very, you know, it does, I guess it's, it's very a slap in the face to think about being a punk in that environment. I know people who have enlisted and I, I know of people that should enlist that really just don't know, they don't have very much discipline and they don't, they've never gotten to a point in their lives where they have developed much structure. And that's where I really struggled with basic training more than anything was all was so much discipline because like I've never really had a problem being self-disciplined and self-motivated and doing my own thing, you know, getting off my ass basically. That's never really been a problem for me. But like to do that in a group setting with a with a bunch of other people where you're all doing it in the same like this you're doing the same stuff at the same time like all the time for, you know, a couple months and having to revert from being somebody who is pretty self-disciplined and self-motivated to having, you know, can't, you know, basically go to the bathroom unless you ask for somebody's permission. So I think that it's, I don't know, a more comfortable environment for a lot of people who need that sort of structure and that sort of discipline. And that's why I think that, that what you say is indoctrination happens so easily because those guys don't really have much of a background of being critical thinkers maybe, or, or I guess kind of just getting out of that herd mentality. And so a lot of those guys come to the military because they just don't really have much of an identity. They don't really have much of a, like a something that they can be passionate about that is, is kind of community based. So this is something where they can feel part of, like they're part of a family. They belong, they're contributing to something. When I was in boot camp. There were always things that were that went off as red flags for me of like I got the sense or sort of the feeling of what I was being told my way of thinking or my way of approaching things was incorrect and this was the correct way of doing it and like I remember kind of putting up walls of like yeah I'm going to resist that like I'm not I don't agree with that so I'm not even going to I'm not even going to acknowledge it and I remember one time there was a we were in a class and there was a drill instructor that was talking about how how you're not an individual anymore if you ever thought you were an individual that was then this is now and your parents your mommies and daddies may have told you you were special growing up but i'm here to tell you that you're not there's 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 no individual many individualism anymore you're part of a whole you're part of a uh, of a larger cohesive network so it's not just you know you're not a lone wolf anymore I can say from experience that the suppression of individuality in the military is also a suppression of creativity. So like it's very, it's, it's in a way it creates a lot of inefficiency for them because they don't want you stepping out of line. They don't want you questioning things. They want you to just fall in line. But at the same time, that also really suppresses individuality and creativity. Like what motivation do I have to be creative, especially if I'm told that I shouldn't think outside of the box necessarily. So there's little incentive or reward to being out of the box thinker. And that's why so many programs and systems that we navigate on a daily basis are ter- terribly cl- clunky and archaic and cumbersome. That to me is like one way that I think that you can be punk in the military. More recently in the last couple of years, I've thought about commissioning being an officer as an enlisted person. It's one thing for me, me to listen to, to rules and regulations that I think are nonsensical and just, you know, at the end of the day, forget about it, go home and do whatever. 
but to be an officer and have to enforce rules and regulations that I think are stupid is is like another another thing having to actually act like I think this is important and this is something that matters so when I grapple with this idea of commissioning and being an officer I uh, reached out to a mentor of mine somebody that I've worked with in the guard for a number of years and he was enlisted as a marine and now he's he's an officer within the air guard and I told him this I'm like you know I I just don't feel like I'm cut out for that just because I I w- I don't think I could sleep at night having to enforce a lot of these rules and he's like well that's why that's why they need more officers like you or more people in charge that are like you somebody who can actually who has a, a, a an idea of a different way of doing things or a better way of doing things or a more balanced way of doing things like instead of having a room full of just right wing perspectives like you have this one dissenting voice and that's why it's important to have officers that are like that so that kind of made me think twice about it and again i think that that's you know another example of like within the context of that environment you can be punk because whether you like it or not and whether you're against the military or for the military or whatever it's not going away and it's needed I mean, I, I would rather have people in there that are going to make it better and in the ways that I think it could improve. Well, and I think that from a, you know, if you, if you were to be commissioned, like, and you get your own command, dude, like you think about the people under you and influencing that culture change. Right. And from there, like, you don't know where that goes, but like, you're only doing what you can operate within. Right. So like, you may not agree with some of those rules, man, and you have to operate within those. But guess what? After those rules, there's a lot of creative space, dude. And especially, you know, the higher up you get and the more people under your in your command, I mean, you can you can change a culture that way. You know what I mean? Like you can or influence yep. a, a, another generation of those who are trying to be punk in the military. That's the other thing is maybe there's other people out there, man, but like. They don't want to speak up because then you're going against the grain and going against the grain isn't good. It was just like in the, the Marine Corps, like they, like everybody knew you don't volunteer for anything, right? And that's yeah. the exact same thing. Like you don't stick your hand up. Like who has a good idea on this? You don't raise your hand. Like what do you know? Like you get in line and you do what you're supposed to do. And so from you know a greater position of influence, you have a, a greater ability to influence maybe those who are afraid to – to speak out and have to go along with that, that group think mentality just to make sure that the mission comes first. And, you know, as far as efficiency goes, that goes out the window. Yeah. Well, you know, as far as like, I think that the, what this kind of comes down to is that people who let's say like died in the wool punk rockers or self-proclaimed punk rockers who would argue against the idea that you can't be punk and be in the military. I think that you can only make that argument if you, believe that the military shouldn't exist or we don't need a military. And what I would say is that the military supporting and defending democracy and freedom of expression, therefore the ability for punks to be able to express themselves. Like, don't you need a a military for that? Do you, do punks have the ability to exist and exercise their freedom of, of expression in a country that doesn't have a military that's meant to uphold democracy? So I guess in other words, like, like the difference between being a punk in the U S military and being a punk in North Korea, one supports and defends freedom of speech, the U S therefore freedom to be a punk 
in the U.S., you have the freedom to be a punk because you have a military that supports and defends democracy, right? The other, let's say the North Korea military, is all about nationalism and nationalistic sentiment and doesn't have room for freedom of speech. So it's like being a punk in Nazi Germany or North Korea. It would be a lot more potent because you're <laughs> you're rebelling against a lot more. But I yeah. don't think that you're going to be doing it above ground. You're going to be doing it in secret. You're going to be doing it anonymously. And as soon as you get caught doing it, you're going to get fucking killed. You know, so I guess that's why I see like you can't have a uh, you can't have freedom of expression to be a punk rocker if you don't have a military that supports an institution that defends freedom of expression. Yeah. So, does that make sense? Well, it, it, Absolutely. I agree with you. And, and the people that take it to that extreme, like, yeah, like I agreed, it would be amazing to live in a demilitarized world right and i you know there are countries out there that you know kind of exist without getting involved with their military but there are other militaries out there that protect them and and i get that like i like that's a whole topic for different ways a different day as far as you know the spending on the dod but um but but i agree with that if you're taking it to that extreme like you don't really care about punk you just care about being a righteous asshole like you know what i mean like if you're if you're being like that and you can't even stop and look at it from the aspect of what is punk right it's anybody that's challenging the norms and yeah. it's anybody yeah. that's that's deviating from what is acceptable behavior like that is what in my opinion that's what punk is right is pushing uh like pushing back when people say like well this is just the way it's always been done why why are we doing it this mm. way like that is oh dude and i do that shit all the time at work exactly like, i like that, when that to me is that that to me is punk though that's yeah you pushing back and, and anybody anybody that says well blah 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 any i touches on any subject that you said as far as the the, the punk metal rocker people or or those that group like like think about truly what being a punk is like you're rebelling you know really hard i get that but think about what being a punk is and that's pushing back that's challenging norms that's making that leads to change and that's that's obviously what we need to do and what better place to try and challenge and try and make change than the military than the united states military more than anything it it's the idea of not supporting war and supporting the troops so like to be punk is to be supportive of, of the troops and be supportive of the idea of defense but just just to not be fucking like bloodthirsty and war hungry and if you're someone who sees the military as necessary for democracy and defense and that without it we're just sitting ducks for other nations who would like to cause us harm like there's do you see something noble and fulfilling about being part of an organization who wants to play their part and ensuring that we're safe from those who would want to take that away from us. Those who would kill you for protesting the government, in other words. Those who would kill you for having a purple mohawk. I asked a, a libertarian friend of mine, I think that from that libertarian perspective, they would say that you shouldn't support or be part of any kind of government program or institution at all. And I would ask what the alternative would be then. Again, that's like... And you you know, not just have national defense. And I know that the libertarian response would be that the private sector out of a need for it would create a privatized military, which I don't think 
would be a good thing either. Yeah. <laughs> Probably worse, but <laughs> they would they would they would make it for profit somehow. Fuck yeah. I posted on a couple of Facebook groups, punk rock Facebook groups, and I asked, Can you be a military member or supporter of the US military and also preach the punk ethos? Why or why not? And I got a variety of responses. I'll go through a few of them here. So Kenny says, I mean, yeah, you could, but signing up to murder brown kids overseas isn't punk rock at all. <laughs> the, I'm sorry I'm laughing, but like that's 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 true, dude. I mean, yeah. like I, I get that. Well, and that's I what I was that. saying about like, yeah. you know, yeah, it's not it's not punk rock if you're just joining the military to want to go over and. Like, I hear a lot of people at work say, like, oh, let's just turn the Middle East into glass. Yeah. You know, and that what they mean is nuke the whole place. Like, yeah, that's not very punk rock. That's just fucking dumb, you know? Yeah. Uh, Lucas said, the U.S. military has only been an oppressor since the Vietnamese War. Nor No <laughs> war since then has been motivated by anything other than propaganda or greed. So, no, actually, you cannot be a punk and support the U.S. military. Tom says, yes, of course you can because you're doing your own thing and it goes against the norm. And that's pretty punk. Nicole said, sure you can. My dad and stepdad both served. Yes, I support the military, but I'm also punk rock. If it's close to your heart, then support it and you aren't any less punk for it. Drew says, punk is about doing things yourself. The military is not. Punk is about being a nonconformist. The military is not. Punk is about being socially aware. The military might try, but they're not. So no. So I'm not getting very much support on on the idea that you can simultaneously be be punk and be in the military. But you know it's like you got to everybody's got to conform to something though, right? And like I don't think that there's anybody who can say that that's not the case. And another response that I got from somebody who was who said that he he doesn't want to be ordered around and if you're ordered around then you're not a punk. And it's like, well do you pay your bills because that's a type of conformity, right? Like yeah. To what extent do you no, not conform? It is like all of these people that say that conform to society in some way, shape or form. And then the other thing is like if you take it a, a, a level deeper, dude, you conform to what your subconscious tells you to conform to. Like as much as we That's all want to walk around it. and say like we're all like in charge of everything we do, our subconscious is running our, you know, all of our systems probably 80% of the day, dude, where we're just mentally checked out, right? Yeah. And, like everything's running high, like it's supposed to. So like, like I get that. Like I, I like I agree um, as far as a lot of those comments go, like how can you support the military and that at the same time? Sure. And, and it's a really hard thing to say, like, like, and I think the, the idea that they're getting is like, putting on your red, white, and blue crap and going rah, rah down the street, yeah. dude. And like, and I get that. And and I get that you don't want to, as a punk, you don't want to do that. And and you do want to question the military and you do want to say those things. Now, now I, I rebel against the idea that you, like, you don't support the individual. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a huge difference between supporting the uh the military and supporting those who are serving in the military and i think that vietnam made it very clear that that distinction needs to be made right and so when you make that distinction right like you don't have to support the military and be punk like right if you want to say that but do you support a family member that's in the military do you support a friend that's in the military like absolutely you would right if you if any one of these people saw like you, you can't tell me they wouldn't be respectful at least i mean some people wouldn't but to to an 
degree you're respectful to the person, right? Yeah. Not maybe to the organization that they represent, right? But you're respectful to that person. Mm-hmm. And when you break it down to that individual thing, right? Because they're lumping what they're doing is being completely conformist by lumping the entire military together in the first place, right? So you're just you're just making an assumption there, yeah. right? Instead of saying it's the individual and the individual can make change. And to those same people that are complaining about the military, I would ask them if they like the fact that, uh, you know, transgender people can serve now, that you can be openly homosexual in the military, that women can serve in combat roles in the military. If they would sit back and say those are all good things, then I would challenge them and say it's because – you had people with the punk mentality in positions of authority to push those things and those agendas sure. forward. Yeah, and that's exactly right. And even with my position where I'm I'm just like a mid-level person, like I don't have very much clout at all. But when I started doing public affairs, I started thinking to myself like, okay, so this is an opportunity for me to be creative. This is a job where it's probably the, the most creative opportunity in the military is to work in this career field. So how do I, how do I utilize that? Like, how can I, you know, use my position to, to bring attention to something important? And so the first year that I was doing it, I wrote, I I got permission from a, my, uh, my boss that I really wanted to write an article about a friend of mine who is gay that I've, I've been in uh, Greeley with for a long time now. He was at that time we were coming up on pride month in June and he was deployed to Afghanistan. So I was like, how cool would it be if we wrote a, if I wrote a story on this guy on, you know, uh, being a gay service member and celebrating pride month while deployed in Afghanistan. And so like, I was really, that's probably one of the, my proudest moments that I've had in the military is, is doing that and being so excited that I got the opportunity to do it. And it wasn't to be a troll and it wasn't to, piss people off or whatever but consequently that's something that happened it got put out there and it was criticized and and absolutely um, but what is like just literally what is the most punk thing you could do with the mouthpiece that you were given like that it to me is a perfect example because people are going to read that and even if they flip out and go oh my god this is the military now back in my day even if they do that they are under the impression that that is now the norm and that that is now acceptable. Even if you hate that, you now get that impression. If I read that piece, all of a sudden a mind, a cultural mind shift starts to take place, right? Because these people didn't all read this together. So they all read it and they all come away with it going, you know what? This is something that is acceptable. Well, it's humanizing something that is okay for people to do in the military. And guess what? It's not okay for me to say negative things about it, or it's not okay for me to talk about it behind closed doors because we're shifting and we're changing. I feel like Vietnam really, uh, after Vietnam, like we, I feel like, you know, the society kind of learned its lesson on like, why are we mistreating? And especially for Vietnam, because those guys didn't even have a choice, right? They had to go, but like they come back and like, they're they're making no distinction between the government, the military, and uh, the you know the individual troops. And so, um, I would say too, like you know, post you know after nine eleven goes down, post nine eleven, like people were signing up because they felt like they had this duty to their country. Like the you know we just watched our country get attacked, and like the so patriotism. I mean, for those who are alive in you know. 
September 11th, 2001, like you remember like what that, what, like the whole country all of a sudden became like, everybody was like patriotic. Like it was just this mass flood of like, you know, the country like really came together and like, you know, everybody really felt like, like I owe my country a service. Like I need to go fight for my country. I really yeah, feel like we, that's, we haven't, that, that was, we haven't been that united since then. No, absolutely. I mean, we just, it just keeps getting worse, right. but like it, it was kind of this cool, like, you know, we're, we're going to rise together type of thing now, like what we did, like, why did we go to Iraq? Like, did we even accomplish anything in Afghanistan? Like the answer to either of those questions, like at the end of the day, like, I don't, I don't think that America really wants to look in the mirror and answer questions to why we did those things. But like, it's not the person that signed up and went over there, you know, with that feeling of serving their country. It's not their fault. All right. Well, I don't know. That was a lot of just kind of um, anecdotal stuff, but I don't know. It's it's kind of my defense, I guess, on being a military member and, and being able to still espouse punk philosophies. And I guess the reason that I asked you about would you, you know, knowing what you know now, would you enlist still today? And you said no. That's something that I, I think about all the time. And I mean, initially I enlisted because, like I said before, like I saw how how slim my opportunities were. And it felt like one of the only things I could do to kind of get put myself in a better position and better my future. So I'm glad I did it. And, you know, I owe them a lot. Like they've really taken care of me and they they I've I've been through college thanks to them but yeah it's like i'm not i'm definitely not the same person that i was when i enlisted 16 years ago and i'm glad i'm not the same person not to say <laughs> that that's that i was a bad person but i just i know things different i have different values now i look at things completely different if and, i if it was if i had another option i don't think i would and, and another thing I want to touch upon, too, is, like, I was in the Marine Corps with guys that enlisted to get their green card, like, to become citizens. Like, yeah. like think about that. Like, that's, you know, that's a whole other group of people uh, that enlisted. I was in the Marine Corps with a guy that, like, he was given the choice to go to jail or join the military. They were still doing like, that then? The, in in uh, 2004. Yeah, in 2004, Man. he had gotten that opportunity. And he joined the, the military. Like I, he was the only one I had ever heard of. There was still a case of it. Like the judges, like, if you want to join the military, I'll prevent giving you jail time. And if, you know, like, so he chose to go in. So like not everybody that goes in, it was like patriotic or rah, rah. And, 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 and also to clear up another misconception, like I have no problem with people that sign up for the military for the college money. Like people like look down on those people for some reason. Like why that's an opportunity. Like, let's be clear. Like the opportunity, I got my college degree after I got out paid for by the GI Bill like uh, you got yours like that is a great opportunity for somebody that's in the lower class. Oh, to absolutely. Work, to get their you know, education. To, 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 to an opportunity at an actual degree. Right. That's huge. Yeah. Right. Like uh, so. So let's be clear. Like there's incentives for that. But but is the entire, you know, the way the structure is set up could be questioned. But can you like is there that punk ethos in the military there definitely is cool man well i think that was a good good discussion i think we beat the hell out of it what do you think 
Yeah, man. I think so, too. All right. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, stay tuned for uh, our next topic. I don't know what that's going to be quite yet. You know where to find us, punk-journalism.com, facebook.com slash punk-journalism, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, man.